Hello, and welcome to Sutra Sidewatch, episode 14. I'm your host, Cameron Shustar, and hosting with me is... I'm um, Brandon from Apollo City Comics. I curbed you before you could try something. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are here to jump into July with Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez movies. And who better to have with us than... You may know him from Up To It, Down To It, but my friend Roman Fruhan is here. Hey, good to uh, good to be here. Can't wait to talk about some death proof. Yeah. Which is what we're talking about today. We're doing the Grindhouse Collection this month, and uh, we're starting off with Death Proof, and then uh, later on this month, you'll hear about Planet Terror. But with that said, guys, I think we all just watched it, and how, how does how does everyone feel watching this again after so long? Oof. Damn, dude. <laughs> big, big oof. I'm just saying it now. I was holding it back. But I'm oh, saying it now. I, I saw this I'm like it. in high school. Um, I guess when it first, I guess when it came out of theaters, I saw it. Um, and it was one of those movies you see as like a kid and you're just like, that was fucking insane. And it's been, you know, well over like a decade since then. And watching it with my girlfriend last night, this movie was fucking insane. <laughs> just like, it's just one of those things. It gets that grindhouse, like just feel so, I don't know. It's so adequate for it. And for those who don't know, Grindhouse movies were really big things in like the the 70s, like the 80s. And Grindhouse feature films would basically just exploit a certain aspect of something. Like that's where you get those like uh, like the nurse films, the cheerleader horror films, like just really just over the top everything. Everything was just like a bit too much. And it's meant to like really exploit one aspect of it. Uh, a perfect example of just to explain it like we're going to be doing planet terror uh in the next episode and the whole thing about it when that movie was being made um the iraqi war was going on so they made the zombie apocalypse come from an iraqi soldier to you know come to the states and that's what infected everything so they were just exploiting that aspect of what was going on at the time and this one is really just like an exploitation of just like you know how creepy it is for girls to go out and to just have fun and how crazy things can get for them and how un- that's the whole thing my girlfriend was uncomfortable watching this because these are scenarios that can happen like guys are this creepy people are this fucking crazy and you're in texas too you know so i don't even like doubt it at a certain extent depending on where in texas <laughs> you are um so i mean the, the whole grindhouse aspect of it i think it just it like nailed it it was like a good modern incarnation of it uh, I will agree with you on how it nails the grindhouse feel. It he nails it. He he gets the formula down perfect to a T. But I think he does it so well that it's a detriment to the film. Oh. Because I, I all all I do is watch exploitation films all day. I watch black exploitation, hick exploitation, nun exploitation, Nazi exploitation, road exploitation, and all of these films have one fatal flaw and that is pacing mm-hmm. i can see that it's acting <laughs> that's always the it's like the <laughs> b to like d list like type of films right yeah and and but what it does have is insane gory violence mm-hmm. and in just explosive spurts throughout the movie and um <clears throat> what i think that uh quentin tarantino uh, does right in this movie is everything that involves the road movie you know oh, vanishing yeah. point bullet all the car chases all the crashes the insane gore 
um, the the creepy sleaziness of Kurt Russell's character, the setting of this backwoods. Well, it's not really a backwoods. It's Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. but the back roads of Austin, mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. Um, he does that really well, but he gets too Tarantino-y for his own good in certain aspects. Some, some of these. Was it the feet? No, no. <laughs> it was one of those things you're try, counting. You're waiting for. Trust it me, they can. <laughs> this movie might have the most feet in it, next to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh my but, God! You're right. But but this. But that's not a detriment to the movie. That's just like sprinkles mm-hmm. on this weird ice cream sundae of of ridiculousness, and and um, I just think that you get bogged down in so many random conversations with these women that are just like one of them is just trying to give exposition and they all keep interrupting mm-hmm. each other. And it's just like, well, you let me fuck shut the fuck up and tell the story. And it's just like, sure. Yeah. And it just elongates this unnecessary filler scene. There's like four different scenes where everyone's sitting around I talking about. I totally nothing. agree with that. hundred percent agree with that. They're watching it. I was like, okay, I could see how this has some development in it. You know, we do need to get to know the characters to a certain point. But yeah. you're right. Like some of the conversations, I was like, "All right, Tarantino, like this could have ended it's two ridiculous. minutes ago." <laughs> you know, like we don't gotta have it. We don't gotta have that intro Reservoir Dog scene for every like new chapter. You know, for, for every That's, single yeah. scene, for every <laughs> single scene. He's like, you know, what was great the coffee scene from <laughs> yeah, the Madonna scene from Reservoir Dogs. Let me do that six times. Yes, it's the biggest staple. More more so than the feet, I will say. But like he loves dialogue so much mm-hmm. and i've never seen a director with this like intense dialogue where it could be completely unrelated to the film itself whether it's like the samuel jackson um conversation about like the the McRo- what was it the the royal with cheese yeah the royal with cheese or the the bar scene in the beginning but when those two hold up the uh the diner and stuff or uh, the card scene in Inglorious Bastards, like all these things happen for such a large amount of time where it just trails. But they all happen for a reason. Yes. They do. Yeah. You find out that there's a reason behind mm-hmm. it. And what do we get in Death Proof after Nothing. The, this long conversation? Nothing. It just keeps let's go. The let's go going. drive the car from Vanishing Point. Yeah, dude, that's, that was. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Like, that, that was the whole thing. Um, I really got it like in the very beginning, like the first scene, because pretty much like any slasher type of film, it starts off with Mm -hmm. the girls and you kind of they're talking about boys and stuff like that. Like you get that feel for it. You know, you kind of see the angle he's going at. But pretty much anything past that scene, all those conversations could have been chopped in half. We could have or just chopped (laughs) like in general, just chopped. There was no purpose. It could have been like an hour and a half movie. Um, I totally agree with that. I I thought it was I was kind of one of the only ones I would think that um, the it was good dialogue. I get it. It's Tarantino's it, dialogue. The one girl was basically a female uh, Sam Jackson in some parts, but yeah. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, easily, definitely. It wasn't even. That's there's no argument there. Um, I that's what the amount of motherfuckers do. I couldn't believe how disappointed I was watching it because I watched it yesterday. I watched it yesterday or last night with uh, my partner Harley and my roommate Rocco. And we were all talking about how sick this movie was. And we're like, we're ready to watch it. I went and saw it, the midnight premiere, back in like, when did this come out? 2007? Something like that, yeah. Um, Yeah, 2007. 2007. I was like 
13. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get into the movie. I begged my friend Zach to like get his sister and their boyfriend to take us to the movies at midnight to see it. We were the only four people there. We were pumped. We were wearing the t-shirts. We got like a big old pamphlet. We watched the whole three and a half hour long ordeal with the fake trailers and everything. And I thought it was sick. Yeah. I thought it was the best shit ever. I bought the blue or the DVD at the time. I mean, now I have it on Blu-ray, but I used to watch those movies all the time. And I used to love Death Proof. Death Proof sat at like my number five. Oh, wow. For Quentin Tarantino out of his nine or 10 films, however you consider Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Mm. But but out of his nine or 10 films, that always used to sit in the middle. I used to be a diehard Death Proof apologist. And uh, we watched it last night. And my partner and my roommate and me just kept sharing like glances at each other like this is still happening it, it's, this is still happening but then like the first crash scene like saves it yeah it does or, like when when so kurt good. russell when kurt russell starts talking uh he starts doing the monologue yeah you know the do you hear me butterfly like he starts doing that he immediately elevates the film mm-hmm. to this like ungodly level and uh, then you get really interested in the story. Like, okay, so this guy stalks women and murders them. Like, that's what the cops are saying. Are we going to be following the cops? Like, are we ready now that the women are dead? Like, do they have to stop him from killing the next couple of chicks? And then, no, it just cuts to a new later. set of characters where we're all starting over. Yes, and that's what trips it's like, me out. Like, uh, it's basically a reset oh. on the film. And I'm like, now this is a Why? whole new movie. You know what I mean? Like... That that was he could have just started there. Yeah, he could have just started with the original. You know what he should have done? He should have switched the characters because I like Jungle Julia and all the girls from the beginning, mm-hmm. but I don't like the I don't like the stunt women and and the actor. And I can't believe they left. Spoiler alert for all their friends. I can't believe they left their their actor friend dressed up as this cheerleader with oh, the creepy Lee. redneck. Dude, they left horrible Lee friends. She looks up and she's like, she literally. It feels like she. She literally like, gulps. gulps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quentin Tarantino wrote that in the script. Gulp. And the, well, you know, my girlfriend's watching it with me, and then she's just like, "They're just gonna fucking leave her there." Like, what the? What kind of shitty friends? And then bad. When friends. the movie ends, she's like. What about their fucking friend? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck are they going to do with him? It's like one of those things. You're just, just left like, undone. what happened? You know, yeah, you're just kind of like, do I want to know what happened? I feel like the entire, uh, like the first half of the film, before we do the 14 month later, if they would have started maybe like 10 minutes, 15 minutes before the 14 months later, and then that's like the starting point. So you could see, you get that, you know, that feeling like, okay, this is a girl. He's been stalking them. We got those hints clearly they've seen him before you establish that aspect and you establish who he is as a character and a villain and mm-hmm. then you switch over and then you're like oh fuck he has a new batch of girls how what's going to happen with this one and this is the unique circumstance of like them being more badass than he is and overcoming yeah. him and that part i totally dig but it, it, you kind of feel like once you hit that 14 month later part you're just like did i just waste the first like I don't know, 45 minutes of my time watching this part of the movie. Uh, like, I, I don't even I also, I feel like he needed to be more of an immediate threat. Now I get like 14 months later, the guy's got to recover. The guy's got to build another car, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, you know, logical. It's a movie. Yeah. You know, but, um, uh, Quentin Tarantino takes a lot of inspiration from like 
giallos and mm-hmm. slashers from Italy, like uh, the New York Ripper by Lucio Fulci. Yeah. Um, and that feels like an immediate threat because it's every other scene. Like he keeps killing women. He keeps stalking women and no one knows how to stop him. Mm-hmm. In this, he killed four women 14 months later. You know what? I'm going to stalk these women. And then they immediately kick his ass. Yeah. I uh, guess the establishment of like him, like maybe even showing a bit more of his history or something, yeah. you know, like even like a briefcase full of like photos of the women that he stalked, you know, because he was carrying them around yeah. and all that. That would have been an interesting and be like, oh, fuck, he's been doing this for a while. Um, a while. And it really, it, that, that would give him a threat like type of presence. But here you're just like, mm-hmm. is this his first time? I guess not. Maybe. Is he just doing this for fun? Is this a one off? Um, it's interesting too. So, you know, kind of like the, the actors that we have, the it's sprinkled around actors. I think. Mm-hmm. It's a Tarantino film. You're gonna have a bunch of cool people. Oh in, yeah, no matter easily. What. Um, but except for Eli Roth. Oh, oh yeah, God. I'm not. <laughs> Eli Roth just playing Eli Roth. <laughs> right. Yes. What a douche. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like I, I had seen. I've Cabin. seen him in one good role. And oh, what the bear Jew? Bear Jew. I'm better than you than. Which wasn't the other? Can I say really fast? Wasn't the other dude that was there at the bar? He's the one that speaks third most Italian. Was that him? No. I think that, was, that looked like no ju- that looked just like him. I'm All right, pretty y'all, sure. Y'all keep talking. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, because I the the one not the one that had like the mechanic suit on, but the other one. Yeah, yeah. I'll but thinking about this, this is so. If we're saying Kill Bill Volume One and Two are one film, this would be his fifth film, right? This is like his halfway point at this point now. Um, in terms, I think it says yeah, it in the beginning no. of the movie too. It says like Tarantino's fourth or fifth film or something like that because you had reservoir dogs and then pulp fiction and then jackie brown and then kill bill and then think this yeah. and then after yeah, this yeah, is yeah. inglorious bastards yep yeah yep. so this is yeah your halfway point film and looking at it too tarantino has that little crossover with robert rodriguez for it too like the the, the cops and the doctor are all from they're like minor they're little weird characters here where they just have that small part of dialogue but they have major roles in planet terror mm-hmm. when we watch that later like we'll be talking about them a lot more so it was interesting yeah seeing them there just for that brief moment talking and it's like yeah they're like he, we can't do anything this dude like playing this out to a t where he can't get blamed for this and that's why he's been repeating this constantly and I couldn't tell, like, if the first area was, like, uh, some part of Texas, like, it, the second group, like, the the stunt woman there, they mm-hmm. were talking about they're on a Hollywood film. Uh, it sounds like he always changes location then and tries it in a new spot each time, right? Like, I assume so. I, I mean, guess... if you're traveling and it's in Tennessee next, it's just, like, a scattered... Plus, he doesn't get caught that way. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. easier to escape things. Yeah, skip town. And especially like looking at their what was it their their little cell phones. You have to change the words, the the letters yeah. constantly for a text that message. T9 you can texting? see that time. Yeah, T nine. Oh, yeah. see God. that was some of the that was some of the most beautiful shots and scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. And there goes something that'll never be addressed. What about the boyfriend that kept flaking out on Jungle Julia the entire night? Like, what if he became? What if he uh, or someone that noticed that their friend went missing became the protagonist hunting this guy down? That's the thing. Like, I think all of it was just his way of doing a full on red herring where you're like, oh, it's about these girls. And the minute you get to that point where they're all dead, you're like, oh, like it just it See, literally seeing that the first I'm time that. it takes it, 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 it just like blows it's, your mind. Each it's time. a psycho thing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like psycho. Yeah. 
but yeah the the biggest detriment to the film is like you look at the length and you're like two hours and seven minutes for this i'm like you could have made this an hour and 20 minutes oh, honestly yeah. you, you, not even an hour and a half like an hour and 20 minutes you could have shaved a lot out of that I like why which... it was hard to like watch all the way through too because i started it i watched like 10 15 minutes my girlfriend got home we were eating and watching the next little bit and then once we got to the 14th month later we got from the dinner table to the couch and it's just like okay so i, I think if i was sitting there for the entire two hours straight i would have been like man this is dragging and this is kind of pointless but like kind of being distracted or if i was in a movie theater i'd probably feel the same way right now but being distracted I, and eating and all that type of stuff, just having that, and I was just like not there. I think that made it bearable at that point, you know. I thought seeing it in the theater was one of the best experiences I ever had. But you saw, the, and as a as a thirteen year old, back to back one too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that was the back to back with the fake trailers in the middle. Which, by the way, I remembered there being the lap dance scene, but on my Blu-ray. It said it was not uh, a lap dance yeah, scene. It was same. just real missing. What? I don't think I I've ever seen. seen uh, I've never seen a lap dance scene. What? I remember seeing the lap dance scene and then it cutting to real missing whenever it got too raunchy. Oh wow! The well, I watched it on a free app, Voodoo or something, where everyone was yes. streaming oh, for, yeah, yeah. for free. Um, and it did have the whole lap dance scene and nothing about real missing at all whatsoever. What the hell? Yeah. I've got the freaking special edition Blu-ray <laughs> where you can play like the four hour long thing yeah. and it doesn't even have Same. the lap dance scene. Damn. I'm pissed. I'm about to call up Mr. Tarantino right and now. And be like, what the? Yeah, dude, that's kind of Excuse me, you feet smeller. Yeah, Quentin, I'm pissed. You know, watching it as a double feature for one with the commercials and all in the theater i think that is a like a theater going experience like that's something that's just essential to these it's meant to be watched that way um watching it at home it is it is different it isn't as enticing it isn't as like i guess gripping as it it, would be it doesn't keep you yeah exactly it's one of it's one of his two films that last so much better in theaters (laughs) it's like this and then hateful eight just because the way they present it Mm. of the experience of being like oh we have an intermission oh we're doing this here's a little like it's a roadhouse show or whatever like making it an extra fun experience like increases its value as you're watching it Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. if it's not as enticing of a film itself like considering i mean for me this was probably I think I said it before, but I couldn't remember why. And watching it in, I'm like, oh, okay, that was why. I consider this his weakest of his nine films, uh, I would say. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that or not. I, After watching it last night, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm mad. It used to be Reservoir Dogs, but now, now that really? is my, my least favorite. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, Res- Reservoir Dogs was definitely my least favorite before um, last last night. I think this one but, it's never mm-hmm. been high on my list because I've always just considered it like a like a B D list movie and that was just meant for fun and excitement and just big like bullshitting, you know? I've never taken the grindhouse films to be like a pinnacle piece of work. You know what I mean? I've always no, just imagined no. it just like they were just they had they got to do this and it was fun and it was just like something they wanted to do and it was just you know, their whole relationship between Rodriguez and Tarantino goes so far back that when Reservoir Dogs was premiering at film festivals, so was um, El Mariachi. And uh, they got to do panels together for like being like gory films and like that kind of aspect and whatnot. And that's how they became friends. And when they were working on, uh, I guess, Pulp Fiction, um, 
Rodriguez was like two offices down. And so they would come and hang out and work on stuff. And after a while, they're just like, hey, I, I have, you know, would you want to work on a film together? And then Tarantino was like, Grindhouse, let's do a Grindhouse film. And they just like lined up. They've always been on that same level. So just, I feel like this was just like two friends getting together and being like, let's just make something from our childhood that's super fun. It's like if I wrote like a Super Friends cartoon, you know what I mean? I would just go fucking crazy and just do the stupidest, most bombastic stuff ever because it's like that. Oh, aspect, easily. You yeah. Know? Uh, well, they they already did. It was from dusk till dawn. Oh, that's right. That, that is incredible. That true. is one hundred percent a grindhouse movie, that's true. and it did phenomenally mm-hmm. in the box office compared yeah. to its budget. Meanwhile, when they <laughs> advertised a double feature grindhouse film by Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, Death Proof cost thirty million dollars to make. Planet Terror cost $23 million to make. Planet Terror costs less? What? I know. Planet Terror cost. When I was guessing the budget for Death Proof, I was going to say $6 million. Yeah. I didn't. I don't know where the, I don't know where the other 24 million went, but, but do you know what both these films combined made at the box office? What? $25 million. That's it? They didn't even make back. They, they made back a third of their budget, man. Like I, (laughs) <laughs> I missed it in theaters. I would have honestly, looking back, like I mean, I feel like next week oh. our conversation on Planet Terror is gonna be a complete different conversation. But like, I'm, I'm just shocked. That's super strange. I was too yeah. young to watch it. Like you were saying, yeah, I, I could, yeah, young, I can see that. I, mean? yeah. I just, I had to wait I had to, to drag. Like I, yeah, I had to drag <laughs> some eighteen-year-olds to take me to the, <laughs> take me to the theater, and I, they both fell asleep. I think they left us. What? I don't know. I think my but, first, uh, this yeah. was right before my first, my first Tarantino movie in theaters was Inglorious Bastards. Oh, wow. And I watched mm. every single one in theaters from there, but Inglorious was my first one to see there. Mine was Reservoir Dogs, actually. Um, I didn't go see it, obviously, in 1992. I was like, were you an infant? <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I was not. I was not negative two years old. You weren't even born. Um, yeah. I, I went to go see it at the Angelica Theater when I was turning, when I turned 13. So it was like right before I went and saw this. I was like, Dad, please take me to see Reservoir Dogs. He's like, you you know what that movie is, right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay. And then uh, sure enough, um, my dad's friends wouldn't let me hang out with their kids after that. <laughs> so I, Is that a, <laughs> you ever just like, do you look at razors differently after that as a child? Like, Oh, man, I was pissed. I was like, I wanted to see that ear, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I honestly, like I was never big on Tarantino like uh growing up or anything I was never really I never I don't think I've ever seen any of his movies in theaters um I'm gonna straight up say uh Robert Rodriguez on the other hand I didn't realize how big of a fan I was and how many of his movies I've seen in theaters and whatnot but Spy Kids yeah starting with like Spy Kids and uh actually (laughs) um I think what came out first Sin City or Spy Kids uh Spy Kids okay okay then I guess Spy Kids yeah um and we can talk about Rodriguez like crazy next time. I have more to say about him, but Tarantino has always been like someone I've had to look into on my own because nobody in my group or the people I was hanging out with were into those type of films or watching or knew about them. So I've had to do like self-discovery stuff with Tarantino and go and find stuff and actually watch it on my own. I think what got me to watch Reservoir Dogs was that uh, the first AFI album, um, Answer This and Stay Fashionable, is a, is a <laughs> homage to Reservoir Dogs. And as like a punk kid growing up, I was like, oh, well, I want to find out where they got this from. And that's how I discovered mm-hmm. Tarantino and Reservoir Dogs. Um, I, I, 
I I don't remember how I discovered Reservoir Dogs. I knew I lived right next to a video store called Movie Trading Company. And um, I would, my dad would just take me there and I would just splurge my, my lawnmower money on, on movies. And I think I blind bought Reservoir Dogs because the DVD came in a gas can. Oh, wow. That's dope. And I thought it was super cool. It came in a metal gas can when you opened it up as a stick of matches from Big Kahuna Burger. That's dope. Oh, that's awesome. And then that sent me down this Tarantino rabbit hole, but also a, a Hong Kong action movie rabbit hole because I wanted to know, like, what are some other films like Reservoir Dogs? And um, I, I had not, I never even knew that Reservoir Dogs was a remake of uh, a Hong Kong action film called, um, oh gosh, it's got Chow Yun-Fat in it. Uh, I'll, I'll never even remember. I would love to know that and check that out. I really do add a dive more into him, yeah. you know, in that aspect for sure. Yeah. They, well, it's because uh, Quentin Tarantino is so good at making films that other people have already made but he manages to rip off a hundred movies and mold it into his own films. That's why I think Reservoir Dogs ranks so low for me is because he's not ripping off a hundred movies and making it his own. He's remaking one film that references like 10 other movies. So when you watch like Inglorious Bastards and it's inspired by like Kelly's Heroes and The Dirty Dozen and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and Once Upon a Time in the West, and all these other westerns, and World War II films, and that's when you get Inglorious Bastards, and it's a completely unique film on its own. But Reservoir Dogs to remake of one movie, I think it was called like City on Fire or something like that. Oh damn, um, that is super dope. I didn't see again yeah. like my knowledge of Tarantino is so limited. Um, I had no clue about that. That's that's interesting for sure. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like how um, Sergio Leone, when he made A Fistful of Dollars, mm-hmm. um, mm. it was a shot-for-shot remake of Yojimbo, yeah. but he did not ask permission for it. He just paid um, Akira Kurosawa back when Fistful of Dollars like exploded in the box oh, office. Damn. Okay, ask for forgiveness, yeah. forgiveness over permission. You know, <laughs> yes, yeah. ask yeah. for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, it worked out, which I also didn't know that until you showed me Jimbo. I remember at your place. I was like, oh, shit, this is crazy. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's so good. Dope. Um, uh, you know, and it's interesting, you know, the writing of this film. So this was made after Planet Terror. They they did Planet Terror first and then did Death Proof. They were kind of like working together in that order. Um, mm. And at the time, they were trying to set stuff up, and the cast was almost uh, – almost completely different in the aspect of he wrote a lot of the characters knowing who he wanted to cast for it um but like uh what's her face um the main girl that does the lap dance uh vanessa ferlito um he wanted Mm -hmm. her in like specifically for this she had he had everyone audition and do all that type of stuff and he wanted her for it same thing for um you know rosie o'dawson zoe bell and uh gosh what's the other game a girl name i think her name is uh tracy thomas or Tom's or something like that. I totally forget her name. Um, but they were friends in general, those three. The three girls in the second half of the movie. They were friends, and they went to the audition together and did the audition really? together, knowing, like, if you're going to get one of us, you're going to get all of us. Like, that's the way it's going to work. Um, and they ended up nailing it, and they ended up getting it. Um, and Zoe Bell has kind of taken off 
since this movie too like crazy he's been yeah. almost in, in oh she, yeah she was also credited as herself in the movie oh wow yeah that's true so huh? she she plays herself yeah okay that's very true i was yeah <laughs> <laughs> when she was that's that like famous that. actor zoe bell <laughs> and she she this isn't this is like her first tarantino movie but she comes back in uh looking at it to hateful eight and mm-hmm. uh once upon a time in hollywood yeah so she she keeps coming back who yeah. is she in oh yeah yeah, you're right. And she isn't hateful. Eight. Stuntman Mike wasn't uh Kurt Russell wasn't the first choice. The first choice was uh uh what's his face? I am spacing it out. I've been holding it in my head this entire time. Um Marble Man, uh Harley Davidson the Mar- uh Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke was the first choice. Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke was gonna what? be Stuntman yeah. Mike. And that would have been oh He was my locked God. in down to do it. He lived right down the street from Tarantino's house and they were ta- he's read the script and they were up for it. But then the agents, once they got involved, they were kind of like, oh, you need Mickey to make this succeed. You need him. Like, and that's how it's going to happen. And so then they started pushing the envelope a little too far. And Tarantino was basically like, okay, you guys have till Friday to decide if he's going to do it or not. And if I don't have an answer, then all right. And they just kept on dilly-dallying until he was like, all right, fine. And they just approached Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell was super down. And... He was a perfect choice because Kurt Russell's dad, I think his name is like Bing Russell or something like that, but mm-hmm. he was a, a real famous uh, cowboy actor. And so Kurt Kurt knows that age of stuntman that like no longer exists. He like grew up like knowing that if you had to get a role in a movie, you had to know how to fall off a horse and be okay and keep going and whatnot. Like that, that type of man just like really doesn't exist in film anymore. The, the stuntman mm-hmm. life, the little background stuff. Um, but he grew up with that type of aspect. Uh, and then, like, you know, Kurt is just, he's been with such legendary movies and films and done this type of stuff. Like, a lot of the car scenes, that was him driving. He was comfortable driving and doing it uh, and acting the character still, which was brilliant. You know what I mean? Um, those car scenes with him, like, especially the transformation of his character once he gets shot and turns into a little bitch. If you read the script on that part, <laughs> it's like, insinuated that he's gonna like whine and kind of be crazy but not really it doesn't really define that dramatic of a shift but that was all Kurt Russell taking over that character and being like this is how he's gonna react to something happening to him I'm glad we got Kurt Russell but thinking about Mickey Rourke being in that role (laughs) that would have been phenomenal he he is such a scary man yes yes he would be Saint like Mare you know that, that you know that you know that scene you know that scene in Death Proof where where Kurt Russell is just like, "Do I scare you?" Yeah, and she's like, "Yes." Have He's Mickey like, Rourke is say it, that? Is it my scar? No, it's your car. And like that, that's a great line. But in real life, it would be like, "Do I scare you?" Yes, it's one hundred percent you. Yeah, you are the you, scariest bro. person <laughs> on the planet. Oh my gosh, dude, uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke would be such a good pick for like a slasher. Film. Yeah, exactly. That's once I heard that, and I put him in the same outfit and everything. I was like, "Fuck!" I can't believe agents are why this got stopped. It's like. It was such a shitty thing to hear. But I'm glad that Kurt Russell got picked. And I was also glad seeing Kurt Russell's tank top from Big Trouble in Little China <laughs> hanging up in that bar signed by Kurt Russell. Yes. So it was kind of 
kind of weird. You I was know? wondering. I was, we were watching it, and I saw it for a glimpse. I was like, was that the t-shirt? And then my, my girlfriend didn't catch mm-hmm. it right away. But I was just like, damn, I got to go back. I'm glad you mentioned that. I totally spaced that out because it was something like I saw a brief glimpse of it, and I wasn't sure. I didn't notice it until yesterday. Like, it blew my mind. I was like, I've seen this movie like five times now. I can't believe it. And, you know, when they were doing the characterization, he was, you know, Tarantino was doing research about it and asking other stuntmen and people that were in the industry. Everyone had a story about a guy similar to stuntman Mike. Um, and Kurt Russell just coming up from that. I know he had another connection to that stunt industry. I think his wife or daughter or something, I can't recall right now. It'll pop up in my head in a moment. Um, mm. But I, I, it was a brilliant pick. And I think it's one of his most interesting roles. And he said he definitely had a lot of fun just doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, no, his sister. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell's sister is one of the first or the first female that was like in the Indy 500. So he really? Yeah. really? So he grew up around fast cars about that stuntman, like fall off a horse to get a role life. Like this is what Kurt could have maybe turned into at a certain extent on a different path. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, he made it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the as that lead stunt guy, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> being being the big boss of all stunt men. It's is it cool crazy. pick. It was just interesting, interesting aspect. Oh, and you know, like I said, he was writing certain char- certain girls' characters for certain actresses, and uh, the way the group all turned out, you could tell that some of them that was standard Tarantino dialogue, like we said. Uh, the one girl was just a f- was Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson, period. just female. Yeah, um, the one person that he had to leave open to experimentation was uh, the cheerleader girl. I forget her name. Oh, Lee. Lee yeah, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes, which you'll know her as Ramona and Scott Pilgrim, as well as like oh, Huntress and Birds Prey, and, and yeah, she's no in a bunch of stuff wonder. now. Dude. I didn't even. She's as even well as like... being in the horrible, horrible Thing reboot. Oh, I yeah. actually like that movie. Wasn't? It wasn't that it was Are you good. fucking kidding me, Comrade? Dude, it was pretty All good. right, I'm out. Thank you for listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the two Thing movie. The Thing is one of my favorite. In fact, I almost wore my Thing shirt today. You would have loved. I was gonna tell uh, you. I mean, when we were gonna play in 2022, I'm wearing it. Um, I'm wearing it. Yeah, Roman's got this amazing uh, Thing Mondo post. That's oh. amazing. It's his so favorite movie of all time. Oh, it's one. Yeah, he loves. I have. We just played the thing board game the other night with my neighbors. Oh. Like, so oh, the new the game. new one. Outpost, Outpost thirty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. I think the reason why the Hateful Eight ranks so high on my um, my cat is just jumping all around the room. Uh, the, I think the reason why the Hateful Eight ranks so high on all my Tarantino movies is because it is a spiritual remake of the thing. Oh wow! Down to the casting of Kurt Russell. Damn, I so, see. I haven't seen Hateful Eight. It's a shame on me. But wait, you know, what, yeah, oh my, no, I'm yeah, telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not going to so say anything it, from yeah. it. But you'll, you'll see right, a lot. Yeah, of, we ain't uh, saying shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, you just gotta watch. I, it. I gotta watch it for sure. I gotta, I gotta fucking carve into more Tarantino stuff. Um, I will say, uh, Carpenter 2022. We are doing a month of Carpenter. We can't not do a yeah, month of Carpenter. And yeah, yeah. dude, if, and I know we're gonna sidetrack a little bit for his listeners, but dude, for Apollo City Comics, we literally do Thanksgiving. And really, <laughs> yeah, that we covered. Oh, that last year was Swamp Thing. Last huh? year was Swamp Thing. The year before, I covered some comics from the thing. I read the uh, uh, where they come from or the original novella it was based off of. And uh, oh, who goes who there? Who goes there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we got to get you on that stuff. Yeah, that'd be super fun. One, one of my uh, my buddy is one of the co owners at Neighborhood Comics in Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Great place. If anyone's listening, you got to check it out. But yeah, I went in there wearing my thing T-shirt, and he was just like, 
He's like, take this comic Rogue Planet, mm-hmm. read it, and if you like it, you can come back and pay for it. Oh, <laughs> so that's dope. I took it, I read it, and I walked back over there and slapped twenty bucks on the counter and was like, "Thank you." Ooh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> but it's it's a, a great comic book, very very thing esque, a lot of body horror in space. Oh, cool. I am going to add that to cart right now while we <laughs> talk about this. Rogue, also, Rogue <laughs> Planet, great cover, too. That that yeah. um, Ice Cream Man brings oh, a lot of the... dude, yeah. You got yeah. it, yeah. Ice Cream Man, a lot of that Lovecraftian shit going on. Oh. Back real fast to Mickey Rourke. I wanted to ask, was Mickey Rourke Marv in mm-hmm. Sin City? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Just making... If that was him, oh, yeah, yeah I definitely see how that would have worked. And he doesn't look very different without all the prosthetics on. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Just it a didn't, bit more. Didn't I, like, I, he went through like a plastic surgery or something, right? No. Yeah. So he got his face got fucked mm-hmm. up back in the late '80s because he was a boxer as well, yeah. um, and he was into alcohol and drugs. You know, don't do drugs, kids, because you can see. I just watched Rumblefish by Francis Ford Coppola the other day, and you've got beautiful young attractive so cute mickey rourke just being like the face of of goodness mm-hmm. in in rumblefish and then you've got like the wrestler mickey rourke which he's perfect for that role oh, yeah but but man re watching watching young mickey rourke and old mickey rourke makes me sad dude harley Rock, davidson dude. and the marble man for some reason was like a movie I just grew up on uh, we just had like the VHS I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie um, nope. check it out I don't know if it's again saw it as a kid and I thought it was super badass I don't know how it's aged to now but that's how I knew Mickey Rourke and I didn't really see him again in a movie until Sin City came out and I was like damn that's a lot of makeup and then you look him up you know when I was a bit older and I was like this is is this two different people like it doesn't add up to me and you're just like damn this guy just he just totally transformed it's one of the weirdest craziest and most upsetting transformations that have happened it's kind of like you know what happened to like val kilmer and whatnot you know like you look at Uh, the young version of them and then you look at them now and it's just like heartbreaking practically there is a harley davidson and the marlboro man on blu-ray shout factory put it out oh wow just bought it thank you you (laughs) fueling my addiction Dude, let me when you rewatch it, I'll this rewatch it. Lot. Let me know. I I have it. It's just sitting on my shelf. <laughs> I've been wanting to rewatch it for a bit. We'll do a do a mini episode on that or something. It's a it's a cool oh, little man. like heist movie. Um, I'm I'm I'll I'll watch anything with Mickey Rourke in it. Except I just watched Year of the Dragon because I was going down to Michael Cimino. He did like the Deer Hunter, mm-hmm. and then he did Heaven's Gate, which everyone says is such a bad movie. Yeah, it's overindulgent and it's four hours long and it's a boring Western, but goddamn, it's a good movie. Oh, wow. And so I was like, I got to watch more stuff with them. And we got Baby Mickey Rourke, Michael Cimino, and it's called Year of the Dragon. What a honking piece of shit <laughs> that movie was. Um, y'all should actually check it out and let me know what you think of yeah, it. But, uh, super I, I hated it. It was unbearable to watch. I sold my Blu ray and I kept my VHS tape of it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, fantastic. So, just keep it to where we can't watch it again. <laughs> what you gonna be? What, yeah, what you gonna do? That that movie it would probably end up as a reference in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, oh, okay, one of, one of those then. All right, I can see where that's coming. From. Yeah, it's 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 one of those. Um, where were we? Oh, oh, so 
the the cheerleader girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, sorry, no, no, we no, went no, no worries. All I went off too. Mary Liz with Winstead, oh. Marilyn, uh, playing Lee. Yes. So she she was the one character he basically wrote that he didn't have anyone in mind for. He tried to write that character to be as open and interpretive as possible, and she came in and did the audition. And he was so stunned by her because he was like, I had no idea who this character could be, but she got this character and brought it to life before my eyes in ways I could never imagine. And another actress that kind of really started to take off because this was a great role for her and whatnot. Um, Rosario Dawson, just dope, awesome. Oh, yeah. Who also is in Sin City. Who's also in Sin City as well. Um, And a lot of other stuff afterwards. Yeah. Like Rosario Dawson really saved that that last group. Oh hell yeah! For him, yeah. <laughs> yes, dude. I would. I couldn't picture someone else doing it, and that could make it great and interesting. You know, um, you really don't care about the other. What? It's like Terry Toms or something like that, um, and Zoe Bell. Mm-hmm. Like you don't. Yeah, they're good actresses for sure, but you, there's nothing really enticing about that group other than them being stunt performers. But she's Rosario, a Kiwi on a car, bro. It's no, it's Kiwi just riding on the front of a car. And the problem, the problem was, it, it. The problem all boiled down to dialogue. Oh, yeah. I think I. I think um, Quentin Tarantino after after Reservoir Dogs came out, every movie had to be a Tarantino movie. Yeah, every movie had to be a Tarantino movie. Look at Boondock Saints. Oh, which I actually oh, like, yeah, but yeah. it's not a good movie i but i like mm-hmm. it it's fun it's, but it's, it's just yeah it's just long scenes of dialogue and dialogue and dialogue broken up with explosive set pieces mm-hmm. of action and that's this movie did not feel like a tarantino movie it felt like a tarantino ripoff that it, it honestly felt like it it didn't even belong in our universe as movie watchers it felt like a movie that could have been watched by one of the people in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude. Like I said, that's that was the biggest thing. My mindset walking into it was just like, this is just like a fun. I just did. I I, I could make it because I can. Yeah. You know, basically. Cliff Cliff Booth from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could have been like, yeah, I was about to be on that film. But True. I wasn't. <laughs> True. That, that, that that's what, makes a lot, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the best way I can put it. Um. Other than that, Quentin Tarantino, if you're listening, which I know you are, um, you need to make a horror film ASAP. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's I'm got one more, right? right? He's only I, doing one more film. Yeah, well, it better, be a, it better be a Fulci Giallo slasher movie because after watching Death Proof last night and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a couple of days ago and seeing that scene where he showed up to the Spawn Ranch this man needs to make a horror film like now. I could definitely see that. He has the capabilities and the mindset to do so. It's just how he executes it. I mean, the same thing goes for like his Star Trek yeah. film that was supposed to get made. Um, I hope that does not happen. Leave Star Trek alone, you know, please. I am just so curious on how he would approach a sci-fi film because it doesn't add up to me other than it being like, you know, I could see him doing like a kind of a Star Wars-esque, like, bounty hunter type of, uh, you know, Han Solo-ish vibe film. But, like, to oh, go full no. sci-fi. But not in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, it, it doesn't add up to me. It does not add up to <laughs> yeah. me. That's why I'm so interested to see what he would do because I'm like, how? 
and what would you bring to the table? You know what I mean? But apparently that script mm-hmm. is stunning. Um, William Shatner said he'd come back as Kirk if he oh, did Oh, for, yeah, for his for Star his Trek? Star Trek, yeah. I mean, Roman. It could. It's so Ro- Roman's actually a very, very big Trekkie, but he doesn't like. Trekkie. He doesn't like any of the uh, the current CBS All Access stuff. Oh God, dude! I've heard, fucking. I've heard nothing but bad uh, stuff about all of them. Actually, I thought Discovery was terrible. I just started watching Picard, and it makes me want to rip my eyeballs out. Oof. Picard is so bad; it makes Star Trek Lower Decks look good. Oh wow! Yeah, that, is that that cartoon? It's insulting. Yeah, it's the Rick and Morty yeah. knockoff. Uh, they've been putting out um, because CBS doesn't know when to stop and of the Abrams movies the only one I like is the third one because <laughs> oh, it's the closest movie. thing we got to a regular Star no, Trek episode it um, was just two hours long and it felt like the sure. original he, series he, he used to he'd watch all the original episodes Whatever. and then uh, the movies we watched a couple of them I think we all went to our, our school had wrath of khan showing at like our local theater so we all want to go check that out oh wow um yeah and it seems roman is currently frozen <laughs> yeah. he froze out his start the star trek stuff actually phased him it was like set <laughs> phasers to to whatever the fuck so until he returned we'll just keep going um yeah <laughs> he got beamed out he's like i don't want to talk about yeah. anymore yeah, um, he'll oh, jump in right now, and we'll just keep going. Yeah, we'll we'll get him back in. Um, just has to reenter it. But you know, Death Proof overall, I gotta say, it was. I think what made it just totally like hypnotizing was one, just like how ruthless you know Kurt's character got, and how he just kept going, and it just it was terrifying, like how, like just intense he would get behind the wheel, and I thought the whole concept of his car. It reminds me of the Punisher car from the Thomas Jane one. Um, mm, and I, okay. I, I just loved like everything about that vehicle. I thought it was just the dopest, most intense thing ever. Um, and I, I think the vehicle itself was like a you know a character. You know what I mean? It just it was able to take a personality to a certain extent and literally like come to life and like take people's lives. And I feel like that's what like entranced him. Gotcha. Yeah, no, for sure. Roman just texted me. Uh, my cat just unplugged my rat. <laughs> you want to pause it real fast? You get it. No, it's, it's, it's okay. We could, we could wait. Well, uh, yeah, we could pause it. Uh, just... We'll be back, folks, after a, a moment's break, if anything, and then we'll re- resume right after. But we'll just pause our Audacity recordings. Cool. <laughs> and the car itself like that that's probably what you know every scene that we love and i feel i feel like every scene that probably all of us loved and enjoyed was all the car scenes like the car itself really was uh, a character and that would really just take you along and the scenes that were missing the car it took a lot of effort to make those scenes like up top and awesome but um to the i i, I think that's what it just kept me in in the very last end was just how insane yeah those girls got like once they got behind a wheel and dude even after he like scared the shit out of them and they tore him off the road and everything and then they get the metal pole and she just like kind of saddles on the side of the door and has it like oh, a she's night about to joust charge. This dude yes, that, i love dude, that I scene loved that was that. amazing yeah um you know I, I, <laughs> there's not too much good things to say about the film anymore it's really just like 
if you're just going in to have fun and just be like, what the fuck and trip out, it, it's, it's a, it's a good film in that it's fun in that sense. Um, but like we said, uh, before we started the show, the structure of the film kind of is what threw the biggest wrench for me, you know, just, it's, it was two films in one. It could have been, it, it just had too much in it, too much like stuffed for almost no reason. It's it's just one of those yeah it's one of those films that, that could just be cut down. I think honestly the way I look at this film is it's one of those films if you watch with a group of friends, you don't necessarily have to pay attention for all of it. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the big dialogue portions that pre Kurt Russell and stuff, you could just be talking with people, doing whatever, eating food, and then you look and it's like oh Kurt Russell's on screen. Yeah. Uh, the like the the important parts about the start, at least in terms of like the interactions, and then same thing after again. Uh, where it's like the everything that you don't see a car, like you're just kind of like ah. Well. Listen, I watched with two friends last night, and it was it was pretty hard for us to get through. I think Harley almost fell asleep. Oh wow! But as soon as that as soon as that leg flew out of the car and flopped onto the road, they were back in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. dude, that was. But then it got to a point where like Rocco was like staring at me during the coffee shop scene where they're all talking around the thing, and he's like, "I fucking hate this movie." <laughs> oh, that was that was definitely a back bathroom break scene because once they got to the new group and they were at the coffee, the reservoir dog scene inside yeah. of this film, I was like, all right, you know. I can, and it, it's I can. it was such a drastic switch over from like, yeah, let's throw it in. Like, man, I'm so excited! Like, can't wait to fucking talk about this tomorrow. Like, I thought I was gonna be like the guy that was like putting death proof on a pedestal, like. I was I, I was so pumped. Heartbreaking. Sorry. It was heart, it was heart it was heartbreaking. It it really was heartbreaking. Um Maybe uh, that's why yeah. I never really chased down Tarantino films. I feel like I saw Reservoir Dogs, which I really enjoyed as a kid, and I, I really like thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a while since I've seen it, so it's hard for me to re you know, commit to that film. Um but then I think I saw Death Proof like right after that. And I was just like, All right, I kinda see the formula here. Um and I never really chased down any other Tarantino films. I think maybe that could be why I just got that that taste in your mouth. You know what I mean? And you're just like, eh, I don't want to go back to that restaurant for a while. I'll check it out. You know, when I forget about it. Well, I would say, yeah. You so what? What Tarantino films have you not seen? Dude, I haven't seen like almost any Tarantino films. Oh my have you seen Inglorious like, Bastards? I've seen Inglorious Bastards. Oh, I've seen Reservoir okay. Dogs. I've seen uh, Kill Bill Part One, and not Part Two not part two um, but we were gonna watch it this week we actually were gonna like we we're gonna, we actually started watching part one again this week so we could watch part two together part um, two is actually my favorite and it's the one like part one has all the action in it mm-hmm. and part two is all of the exposition and talking and i think i actually prefer it to part one. Oh wow yeah. Well, part um, one tripped me out with like those anime sequences and whatnot. I thought that was pretty oh, interesting and a great phenomenal tutorial. animation. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. He, he does. That's the thing. Like I dig what he does, what he you know in general as a filmmaker, and I could see how he the shots and the angles and everything they get in every film, how awesome that is, and how they just kind of nail it a lot of the times. It's just so perfect. Um, it's just been something on a back burner of mine that has just never really come back up or it's hard. I've just never had it like accessible where I'm like, Oh fuck. Now's the time for me to deep dive into this for a bit. You know, there's a lot of point points of contention in, in um, Tarantino 
uh, fan groups revolving a lot of his films. One of them, or most of them have to do with Death Proof, but one of them is actually Jackie Brown. Have you seen Jackie Brown yet? I haven't, but again, it's on the watch list on HBO Max. (laughs) Jackie Brown, which actually ranks, it used to rank a lot higher on my list. It's like my number seven out of his 10 movies. Michael Keaton in it, right? Michael Keaton's in it. Robert Mm, Forrester's in it. Pam Greer. Foxy Brown is in it. Um, But it is Tarantino's most grounded and realistic film. It, it could have been a Paul Thomas Anderson movie for all we know. It's, it stands know? out amongst his lineup for sure. Like definitely like just uh, even by glance and by trailers and whatnot, you could tell, but it is, but it is a lot of flexing his knowledge of black exploitation films from the seventies hmm. um, that we wouldn't see again until Django. Um, Django. I've seen Django. I, that's okay, good. I I'm glad that. you. I'm glad you've seen yeah, Django. Django's. That one's my number three. That that's... I saw in theaters too. Actually, I I am wrong. I, I did a, see that one in theaters. What a Christmas extravaganza Django was. <laughs> Same thing yeah, with the Hateful yeah. Eight. I went to go see the Road Show. Uh, a tornado interrupted the movie, so we had to all Whoa. huddle into the Urban Outfitters downstairs in the mall. So you had two intermissions. Basically, two intermissions. <laughs> we got to go see it the next day, and we showed up at 11 p.m. in our pajamas. Did you get the? Uh, did you also get the roadshow the little booklets? They I've got out four of them. I've got. Four. I, I got two. I was like, yeah, I made sure to get more than one. I was like, I needed a couple. Yeah, ago. but um, hateful eight. Yeah, that's my number two. Okay. Yeah, I do, Brandon. I, I, you need to watch all these movies, and I want to see your rankings. Oh, down. Um, your ranking or two. Yeah. I've been, I, I, like this was a week, you know, or this month was like, man, I realized how much I love Robert Rodriguez films. Like just naming them off. And I was like, how, why, why have I just never sat down and watched Tarantino films? You know what I mean? And the Robert Rodriguez ones, I've, I've seen almost all of the films he's made um, without purpose or knowing. Even the children's movie shorts. No. You didn't see that one? I haven't seen, I haven't seen short. Is that the one with the rainbow rock? Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen that or shark boy and lava girl, which I need to, I want to watch it now because there's that new movie on Netflix. It's pretty bad, man. I I just know it's got, um, Pedro Pascal in it or something as like a Mm -hmm. superhero. But I'm like, wait, what? It's like his filmography is so vast. It's strange. Like he yeah. made, he recently made Alita: Battle Angel, which is a fantastic movie. So good. And then, oh and then a year after that, he made We Can Be Heroes. Which that's the, yeah, that's the oh, kids yeah. one. That's the kid. That's An- one another another kids one. Oh man! You know, I have not seen the second Sin City though, and that's one. You know, it's I've read not, all the Sin City books, it's not and bad. that's that's one of those things. I, I've for the first Sin City, I saw. And I'll, I'll probably mention this next episode too. But my dad pulled me out of school one day and he was just, I was like in middle school and he was like, Hey, that's I just having a crappy day. And I found this out later, but I, he was having a bad day and he's like, I just want to, let's go watch a movie and get some food. And so he pulls me out of the school and let's just go see a movie, whatever's out right now. Let's just go see it. I was like in sixth grade. I was in sixth grade. Um, and we pulled me out of school and we're just like, Oh, it's a comic book movie. Let's just watch this. It's just it's based on a comic, it has to be good. And I remember sitting there as the, a sixth grader, however old you are, I had to have been what, like 10, 12 or something like that. Um, and 
the first half of the movie I just did not get or understand everything with Marv and all that type of stuff. It wasn't until the Dwight what? scene came in where why I is was Frodo like, Baggins eating people? <laughs> yeah, like I, as a kid, I just didn't get it. But once we got to Dwight, I was like, oh fuck, this is the coolest thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. And that was just like, it was not an age appropriate movie for how old I was. And dude, I eleven year old, holy sh! Like goddamn, like deadly little me home. It's like oh yeah, fuck. <laughs> Now, so you're you're a Robert Rodriguez fan. Um, what's your opinion on Machete? I, I dig all three of those movies. I dig that whole Mexico storyline, and I guess maybe because I no, not wait. You're thinking El Mariachi, right? No, oh, Machete. No, I I have not Machete, seen machete. dude. You yeah, haven't seen, yeah, machete? seen Machete? No, I haven't. Ah, I that uh, is the dude. Are you Mexican? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's like L.A. Mexican. I'm a different breed of Mexican at that point. It takes place in Texas. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Man, say, what do you here's mean? A, yeah, there's there's another thing. So so from Dusk Till Dawn, better grindhouse mm-hmm. film than Planet Terror or Death Proof. Mm-hmm. Machete, which was a fake trailer before, before Planet Terror, ended up becoming a better grindhouse film than Planet Terror or Death Proof. Oh, damn. And then Hobo with a Shotgun. The oh, fake the trailer, the oh, fake trailer entry that won in Canada by director Jason Eisner that eventually became its own movie ended up being a better grindhouse film than Planet Terror and Death Proof. This Damn. this grindhouse was a was a fun experiment, a failed experiment, and everybody learned and and we still the trailers have, were the best the, the looking trailer, back the trailers here. i want to see edgar wright's don't i want to see robert rodriguez's nazi werewolf women of the ss dude nicholas cage's fu man shoot i want to <laughs> see i want to see nicholas cage in yellow face as soon as possible as soon as possible <laughs> <laughs> eli roth's thanksgiving oh i want to <laughs> see eli roth make thanksgiving and see this disgusting slasher fuck a turkey I want to see cancel it. cancel Borderlands movie and do this instead, please. Actually, <laughs> they're making a I, Borderlands if, movie. Eli yeah. Roth is directing a Borderlands. I, actually, you know what? Even if you don't make this movie, cancel the Borderlands movie anyway. Like either way, just cancel that. Yeah, that's movie. like that's Jack Black in it and everything. Yeah, that's, that's, awesome. yeah, that's it, the only good casting. It just Jack Black is too, I think. I just think it's, it just I, it doesn't. Yeah. You, anyway, uh, um, well, I know, did want to talk. Yeah, I would say you know this is probably gonna cement a month uh, for us to do grindhouse movies as we continue the show. Um, I think so. I think so. Like this, I see. I have the small amount of knowledge of what it is, but I've never been a movie connoisseur until about a year or so ago when I started like really diving into like my schoolwork and getting into realizing realizing what I could do with film because um, I did music all my life until I've transferred over to like the writing aspect. Uh, so this in general, like, is like all kind of fresh to me in, in, for, especially compared to your knowledge too. Um, and uh, any, re- we'll ask you at the end of the show to give us a list of recommendations to check out. Cause we're always, <laughs> always digging for that. Well, I'm not, he, he is, I, I am. Yeah. I got, you, you know, I have enough, you know, I'm like just barely keeping up right now with what I got. Roman knows too, you know, um, I did want to say though, uh, one last thing I did want to talk about was the the film style they did use, like the way they made it very um, gritty, mm-hmm. like with the the way they had the film. So it's like at certain points they actually like had it cut a bit. Oh too. God! Okay. Oh yeah. 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 What's your well? Yeah. What's your opinion on that, Comron? Because I have I a very was, strong one. Oh, I know yours. No, I thought it was very. 
honestly my word was probably cartoonish it felt like um Terrible. it was just it felt it pr- felt pretty funny because you're like it, it feels like i'm still watching the trailer but it's just a really long trailer and it's just a lot of it's talking. so it's it's so over the top and when it actually fucks with the pacing of the movie i get it they're trying to do like that that style and that experience like the going to see going to see a movie on film like i went and saw ed wood at the texas theater in oak cliff and we when we were watching it the film reel snapped like five times and at one point in time there was no audio which made for a grindhouse theater experience but do i want to watch ed wood like that no do i want to watch planet terror and 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 there be a quote-unquote scene missing i i don't i don't i don't I don't like it. The only thing that I liked about Death Proof was you saw the original title like explode by and it was like it was like lightning and then it immediately cuts to like Death Proof being yeah. the title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it that's cute. In Planet Terror they go way over the top with it. In Death Proof it's the whole beginning of the film where mm-hmm. it's it's really bogged down in it and then it like disappears. It does, right? It becomes, That's what me out. It becomes distracting. It becomes very distracting. I think well, even with the handheld where... cameras angles, like some of the bar scenes where all of a sudden you could tell the camera's kind of shaky for no reason and they're adjusting it as they're filming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, and I'm not too sure how they filmed this one, but with Planet Terror, I know that Rodriguez filmed everything in HD. Yeah, he and shot it on a would... red digital. Mm-hmm. Did everything digital and then added like layers of just, you know, um, Meanwhile, filters. Taran- that Tarantino thing. shot on film and oh, wow. yeah he shot on film he's shot everything that he's ever done on film hmm. um, and I think they achieved those effects uh, um, physically you know without yeah. without CG I think they legitimately did it like actually scratched the footage and cut it out and uh, and if they did that's insane and you know more power to them um, yeah. but but it just becomes i really i i am a film fanatic like I, I if you have the ability to shoot on film i think you should if you're if you're being funded by harvey fucking weinstein which this entire thing was mm-hmm. uh you should be able to shoot on film if you want to shoot it on digital i don't know why because you're doing yourself a disservice cuz death proof still looks miles better than planet terror does now oh wow even though planet terror is a much more watchable movie (laughs) and each one has something the other's missing and the whole like point why they did that you know just for like listeners who don't know like grindhouse movies like there was not you're lucky if you got five prints of that movie to get distributed it'd basically be like one print of the film two three prints and that would cycle from new york to philadelphia to you know all the way to like phoenix and whatnot like and but so by the time they got it on the other side of the country it had been watched and worn and after like the 10th time viewing it that that role was basically fried uh so that's where they get that aesthetic from i guess Budget was the word of the day when you had to go through a grindhouse film because they were speaking of budget too. They ran out of money. I feel like a lot of those films we were lucky if they happened, pretty much. Yeah, Um, they ran out of money. Death Proof ran out of money at a certain extent. I know they tried to 
like get somebody else in for a certain role and they just like they couldn't afford it they just, I, they were they ran out of money completely. i don't know how death proof costs seven million dollars more than planet terror it still makes yeah. no sense i don't know yeah, how it, it cost over 10 million Meanwhile, yeah. Willy's Wonderland starring Nicolas Cage was $5 million and 4.5 of that. that was his fucking... I just saw that movie what, a night or two ago. It was fucking... <laughs> I'm pissed. I'm pissed. And I wasted an hour and a half of my time <laughs> on that oh movie. Gosh, it was ridiculous. Uh, uh, I, I didn't, wait, wait, which movie was this? Willy's Wonderland. Wonderland the Five Nights yes. at Freddy's movie starring Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Is this new? Yeah, fairly new. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Karma, okay. you should watch it. I, I would this. love. Yeah. I would love it. for you would, to call oh, me fuck. one day and tell me your opinion on that. Is this on Netflix or something? Is I don't. Uh, movie? It My might be on Hulu or something. I'm not too sure. Oh, uh, okay. Is it like a streaming original or is it like a, a, a theatrical film that came to streaming? Uh, I don't. Th- I'm pretty it was sure. a COVID era film, I think. Right? Yeah, it was like, a COVID era film. So they pretty sure they wanted it to come out in select mm-hmm. theaters, but. You know, I wouldn't even watch thinking it'd be like Mandy and Color Out of Space, two movies which I adore. And I yeah, really I love. still need to watch both of those. Oh, oh my god, dude, I haven't come on, get to yeah. work, dude. Yeah, get to dude. work. I, man, I got. I, there's so many things after. I'm trying to watch fast movies right now, bro. Mandy and Col- <laughs> and Color Out of Space, um, fucking mind blowing, dude. Good shit all all the way around. Um, and as the Lovecraftian fan, like Color Out of Space was dope. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. such a good incarnation of that story. But uh, I went in thinking it'd be like that. It wasn't. <laughs> it just totally wasn't. Um, but it, it was. I, I saw it with my best friend and his like eight year old kid, and I think in that environment it was a lot of fun. <laughs> but, uh, it's definitely a interesting take. I want to know what you think about it, for sure. Okay, I, you'll I'll, I'll you'll admire Nick Cage's uh, performance. I will say that. <laughs> All right, so I have to watch three Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah, right? yes, do it. All right. Yep. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's that's death proof. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, definitely varied. I guess it really doesn't matter on like the environment you're in, like and like your watchability behind it. Um, I guess in mindset going in, because it sounded uh, Roman like you had like like good like, high expectations going very in. Very high, very and high. Because I mean, I, I'd seen it like five times before. I loved mm-hmm. it, but I didn't take into consideration that. Like the last time I saw it, I might have been a senior in college, and I also had control over the remote to skip through some boring scenes. Mm-hmm. And I might have been surrounded by like twelve people, so I didn't know. Yeah, and I went in like remembering what it was like when I saw it in high school and being utterly ridiculous and insane. And I came back in being like, "This movie's just gonna be ridiculous as fuck," and I'm just gonna laugh. <laughs> and I, yep. basically, that's what I got out of it. So I was satisfied. Because we just had totally different mindsets going in. So mm-hmm. very interesting on how that kind of goes on the spectrum there. Uh, I was just waiting for girls to beat the shit out of Kurt Russell the whole time. That's all I remembered. I was dude, like, that, oh, I'm just waiting for this part. That ending <laughs> that scene kick. where he's punching the shit. Yeah. That, that I, was, I wanted to talk about that, that kick real fast. That kick. Uh, Rosario Dawson. That was amazing. And that drop kick. Hell Rosario yeah. just, just so much praise for her. No matter what. I don't know if I've seen her in a bad role where I'm just like, oh, Rosario Dawson. I haven't, honestly. Like, I'm always have. just. I always question it. I'm like, how is she going to pull it off? And then I'm like, fucking pulled it off. Right, Alexander was pretty terrible, but but what are you going to do? Did, it's, you know, they, yeah. they tricked me. I was like, you know, I, I think that was the first film I saw her in. And I'm like, wow, who's this Persian actress? And I read up and I'm like, it's not a Persian actress. Are you always looking for more Persians? 
Is that? <laughs> I mean, there's not really many of us. I'm gonna be. <laughs> I, I think like Sin City was my first movie I saw her in, and then again in like Clerks two. I think those were my back to back Rosario wow. introductions. Yeah, that was pretty good. I don't. I don't know what mine. Because in is. Sin City, I was just like in love with her, like yeah. as a, as a sixth grader, seeing oh, her yeah. like that in Sin City. Yeah, you're just like that's yeah. Pretty damn good. Middle school puberty. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> she helped you along the way, didn't she? Uh, um, before before we end this, I do want to. I've got five recommendations for people, nice. uh, for some grindhouse films for people to if to get into this stuff. If you if you want to get into whatever Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez were both into while they were making these movies, um, here's five for you. Vanishing Point is definitely a huge inspiration for Death Proof. Um, and it's an ama- it's an amazing driving across America movie in a 1970s Dodge Challenger with a 440 engine painted white. Um, that's that is a fantastic road exploitation movie. And you have Maniac directed by William Lustig, um, a super seedy, disgusting slasher film set in New York. Mm. It is all kinds of gross and it will get you it will it will have you fall down that rabbit hole um and then if you're looking for a film to fuck up your entire day uh cannibal holocaust uh is a fantastic movie um but there is of course uh people eating each other in it and Mm -hmm. loads of animal cruelty so spoiler or well trigger warning right there for you um after that uh, i gotta recommend dolomite uh, oh. fantastic black exploitation film one of the very first and probably the one to blow up the black exploitation subgenre on 42nd street and wherever they would be showing it next to sweet sweetback's badass song but that movie's borderline unwatchable dolomite. so didn't they do watch a, dolomite didn't they like kind of remake like the making of that movie yeah with with eddie murphy it was pretty good it's very respectful my only uh okay, complaint then, with yeah. it yeah my my only complaint with it is that Eddie Murphy is no Rudy Raymore. Okay. He ain't Rudy Raymore. But I I think it's a and they smush a lot of things that happen like the making of Dolomite and the Human Tornado are kind of like mashed into one. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, sometimes you got to take liberties like that for it. I've wanted to watch it since yeah. I saw that film. That it was it was an interesting like random movie we selected one night, yeah. Uh, the last one I was going to recommend was going to be a Fulci movie. I was going to recommend recommend the New York Ripper, but um, I think that one might be a little too harsh uh, for some first time watchers. So I'm going to say uh, Zombie, um, otherwise known as Zombie <clears throat> Two in Italy, because they were capitalizing on the release of Dawn of the Dead and how much of a big hit it was in Italy. Yeah. It was titled Zombie. So Lucio Fulci made his own zombie movie. And called it Zombie Two. George Romero was not happy about it. Yeah, I heard but, no, I something about that. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine great, <laughs> great uh, exploitation, gory, bloody zombie movie. That if if you watch that and you don't fall down the the grindhouse rabbit hole, then 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 I don't know what will. <laughs> it's probably not for you then. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Nice. Thank you for those recommendations. No um, problem. I'm excited to tear into some of that. The a lot of good stuff. It's it's definitely a different type of cinema 
altogether. Um, probably a very acquired taste to a certain extent. And uh, I I prefer it to to a three hundred and fifty million dollar epic superhero blockbuster movie because every time someone makes a a movie of that sized budget and the mm-hmm. movie comes out and you go yeah it was okay like no if it if it costs that much money it it can't just mind. be okay it needs to it needs to tear your world apart uh-huh. meanwhile dolomite was made for like like five grand and ended up being an absolutely timeless movie where the boom mic sticks in and it's super low budget and the dialogue is laughable and the ADR sucks, but it's so heartwarming and it leaves me with a smile on my face, which no Avengers movie has been able to do that for me. So, Yeah, if we could leave a mark and have you reminisce about it you know, in the future way more, then yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I can agree with that. As a fan of... Uh, I mean, I have a superhero podcast, like a comic book podcast. And <laughs> a lot of those movies were just like, I'm sick of this shit, you know? Like, yeah, it's not doing much for me. <laughs> it's fine, you know? Yeah. They they fought the bad guy, and sometimes they fought themselves. But yeah, um, we actually, it all worked out. You guys, then. y'all should tune into Up To It, Down To It, episode five, where we talked about the state of film. That was a... Uh, that was a fun episode. Roman's budget idea was a, was a good one oh, for Hollywood. I like that. I can't remember what I said. I've got I've got like mushy wet brain. I can't. I can't you took remember. away. You basically took away fat film budgets. Oh yeah. That way they don't overpay <laughs> actors. Yeah. That yeah. Was the plan. Oh for real. I could yeah. I could totally back that up. Yeah. 100%. It was but it was you know it's like it was a drastic change from Ty's which was hold a gun to the. <laughs> yeah. Ty was like <laughs> Ty was like all right so you sit into the movie executive's uh, house and you hold a gun on them. <laughs> <laughs> It's like this is how you change film, guys. Yeah, and I, I thought, like, oh wow, Ty. I, I thought I would be like the most extreme out of all of them. Meanwhile, Ty, was, good little, good little Christian, Christian boy, is just like, yeah, just pull a gun on him. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but all right, folks. Roman, where can people find you? Um, if you just want to follow me, uh, I know I haven't posted a while, but you can find me on Instagram at Revolver Roman. Um, or if you're looking to buy some movies, um, you can follow uh, Graveface underscore Sav uh, for Graveface Savannah or Terror Vision Video on Instagram and uh, see if we can hook you up with some good shit. All right, man. Sounds good. And uh, we'll have all of it, of course, in our show notes as well as uh, when we post this stuff on Instagram. We'll have all the, the ats there that are necessary for it. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Brandon, people... Where, where can they find you? Check out uh, you? Apollo City Comics on all uh, podcast platforms and YouTube. And yeah, that's about it. Yeah, get on that. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and of course, uh, you guys can find me just here on this channel, uh, Sutra Side Talk, where we have Sutra Side Watch as well as Sutra Side Talk, our weekly gaming movie TV show news podcast, as well as Cut of Steel, which we recently came out with Shazam. And we will talk about uh, the Suicide Squad when that comes out. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, Up to It, Down to It, which Roman is also on. And we just uh, put out our D&D episode, episode, uh, I believe, eight nice. or seven or eight, uh, which came out last Friday mm-hmm. when this is recording. So Excelsior. Check that out. Yeah, check that out. We got a couple extra fun guests on there, too, uh, that we haven't had on the shows yet. So it was a good time. And of course, you can find uh, Suture Side Talk on 
Twitter and Instagram at SutraSideTalk, and you can find me on Twitter at GogoComzilla. And with that said, guys, uh, we will catch you in two weeks for Planet Terror as we continue yes. through this Grindhouse double feature. And Roman will actually... Roman will be our long-standing guest here for a bit. He's here for both of these, and then uh, he's here for a couple more movies in August for uh, a little man called James Cameron. Ooh, can I so, spoil what the movies are? Yes, you can. Oh, man. Okay. I am... I. So, Comron texted me and was just like, yo, it is non-negotiable. You have to be involved for the Aliens one and the Terminator one. But do you want to be involved in the Death Proof and Planet Terror? And I think I was more excited for these ones. But now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I I am so pumped to dig into Aliens mm-hmm. um, and the Terminator, actually. I, I had a huge, long conversation last night with some of my buddies that came over to watch some movies uh, about the Terminator. And I've just been, like, taking notes. I'm ready. Oh, nice. I'm so excited. All right. This <laughs> is going to be really fun. I'm, I'm excited for these two months of, uh, of stuff. Yeah. But all right, guys. We'll catch you later. Until then, uh, get grinding, I guess. Enjoy those recommendations. <laughs> yeah, get grinding. Get grinding. Get grinding. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for hanging, guys. Oh, man. So long.